0: Freedom and liberty are not just nice words. They convey something sacred that resides in the heart of all humanity. We all want to be free and able to make choices, to choose how and where we live. We also want to choose who, how and when we worship, and even if we want to worship. Today in the 21st century, religious liberty is a major issue. Is your religious liberty under threat? Our topic today is... Religious Freedom for All, our guest, Orlan Johnson. You're watching Ministry in Motion, where we explore best practices for your ministry in the 21st century. thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Now, you come from an office called Public Affairs and Religious Liberty. Correct. Unpack that for us. Oh, well,
1: Public Affairs and Religious Liberty really is a combined operation where most church members understand the Religious Liberty, where we go out and we fight for Sabbath accommodations and things of that nature. But Public Affairs is actually going out and letting people know who we are. It's about going out and impacting your community, whether it be political leaders or business leaders, so that you get to shape your own message of who you are. And when they understand better who you are, it becomes a lot easier when you want them to know about why you are
0: looking for certain religious liberties. Okay. Let's, let's unpack that. Mm-hmm. How do we do that? What's the best way of letting them know who we are? Ah, Well,
1: I think the best way of letting them know who we are is by showing what is important to us. In other words, when you get out into a community, first thing I like to find out is, you know, what's impacting the community? You know, what's keeping you up at night? What are the things here that you'd like to see differently? And once you kind of get that idea, it gives you the opportunity now to realize, how can I come in and make things a little bit better? So that's what I would call the public affairs side of the business.
0: Okay. So you're describing actually serving the community rather than going out and proclaiming to the community who we are.
1: Yes, well, and I think in that service that's also a way of telling them who we are. I mean, Christ went out and you know healed, and Christ went out and, and uh, turned water into wine at a wedding. I mean, he was probably as much a community activist as he was a religious leader, and I think that once you establish relationships with people, then I think you have a better chance of letting them know about the doctrines and what you believe. And I think they're more
0: open to accept it. Then. Right. And so do you see that, that sharing just naturally coming in an organic way? Or do you think we've got to do something a little bit more proactive? I think we have to be
1: intentional with it. Um, I think the, the days of just things happening by osmosis and folk coming around your church and wanting to ask you questions is probably not how this um, culture works right now. The idea that you have to go out and actually be creating your own environment and, and what I would say, and also making friends before you need friends. Mm. Uh, you never get to live in a community without one day needing somebody else. But the first time I encounter them, I don't want it to be that I've come to ask you for something. Yeah, exactly.
0: So tell me, Olin,
1: how do you do it? What do you do? Well, what I like to do is, um, I, I have to tell you, I read a book probably when I was in my 20s, which was a long time ago. And it kind of taught the whole idea of networking and connecting with people. And, you know, it taught even the basics of how you approach somebody. You know, you never approach them and say, hey, you don't remember who I am, do you? You know, you learn to come out and I hit people with, hi, I'm Orlin Johnson. You know, I'm with the church down the street. How are you? and just finding out, you know, something that connects them to me. You know, where are you from? You know, what have you studied? And sometimes those little nuances, you may be from the same area of the country. And then once you establish something that I think makes you comfortable, then you're able to kind of share with them a little bit more of, well, let me tell you about some of the things that we do here. And maybe some of the things we do here may impact what you would like to do. So tell us a little bit about what you guys like to do in this neighborhood. And then you try to find those connecting points. And I think if you talk to somebody long enough, you'll find at least one.
0: Right, yeah. Now, how how does this community profiling or, you know, getting out there, how does that mesh then with religious liberty?
1: Mm. Well, I think from a religious liberty standpoint, one of the things that I think is important, in particular as Adventist Christians, is to let people know that we foundationally are a church of love. You know, a lot of people will like to talk about, you know, we go to church on Saturdays. We have a health message. There's certain things we don't eat. There's certain things we don't do. We don't smoke. We don't drink. But I think it's important to let people know, well, what do you do? And I think what we do is we try to help those that are in need. If those people are, are naked, we try to help them to get clothed. If people are hungry, we provide an opportunity for them to eat. You know, at my church, every Sabbath, we serve Sabbath dinner. And anyone who comes to church on that Sabbath can be with us for dinner. And sometimes when they're there with us for dinner, they want to stay there with us for the, you know, the AY services. And then they may want to find out what else we're doing. And then they may want to come back for Pathfinders on Sunday. But <laughs> I think you always need something to bring people in so that they can feel like they're a part of things. Because I don't believe people join our church because our doctrines are just overwhelming and they want to, you know, stop eating bacon or watching TV on Saturday. I think they come in and they feel the love of the people in that church and they want to be a part of it. And that's why they stay.
0: Yeah. Now, for the Adventist church, and it's not just, you know, the Adventist church, there's many other denominations mm-hmm. that have a, a real desire to proclaim biblical messages, yes. the gospel, yes. and to evangelize and so forth. Yes. And I understand that, to be a, a core thing within the Adventist church, but where did we get the emphasis on religious liberty? Where, where did that enter into? Mm. Are we connecting with the European Protestant Reformation and mm-hmm. what happened there? Mm-hmm. Is, it, is it more because we've been the victims of a, a lack of religious liberty mm-hmm. or is there some other reason?
1: I think it's a combination of all those things. I mean, there are many people in the Adventist Church that do not know that some of our original religious leaders were involved in civil rights activities. They were part of the Underground Railroad, helping slaves come, helping slaves march their way to freedom. Um, let's,
0: let's just catch this, mm-hmm. who were some of those key people?
1: Uh, I think um, I think one of our early presidents, Binington, might have been one of the ones that engaged in that activity. And I think our church as a whole has really focused on religious liberty, not just for Adventists, but religious liberty for all. Uh, we worked on a recent case where we were assisting a Muslim young lady who um, had lost her job because she was wearing her hijab. And the entity that she was working for said it didn't fit their profile and we ended up sending in a brief to the Supreme Court to support a position that we believe is all helpful um, from many different standpoints because injustice for one is really injustice for all and that's really who we've been at Adventist for a very long time.
0: Right okay. Now we're gonna have a break in just a moment Mm -hmm. when we come back I'd like to explore with you this question is religious liberty under threat in certain countries. I'd certainly like to know about the United States. Sure. And some other key countries as well. Sure. Stay with us. We'll be right back with more Ministry in Motion. Welcome back to Ministry in Motion. Our topic today is religious freedom for all and our guest Orlan Johnson. Now Orlan, The United States, Mm. is religious liberty under threat in this wonderful land?
1: Actually, I wouldn't say it's under threat the way we would normally look at it from a big picture religious liberty standpoint. But to give you some data, in the world, nearly 80% of the population does not get to serve their God the way they would like. Wow. And when you think about the fact that 80% of the world's population does not get this opportunity, and the fact that we are such part of a global community now, The fact of the matter is, is that you don't get a chance to say, well, I'm okay because it's not in my backyard. Mm. Because the fact of the matter is, if if it's in somebody else's backyard, it could just as easily be in your backyard. Mm. And I think what we see is a nation that's trying to, I would guess, shape how far one can go with religious liberty in the United States. Sometimes you hear decisions where someone will say, well, we went this way because we didn't think that group showed themselves to be religious enough. You know, those are the type of nuanced statements that we have to be concerned with. And, and when you start wondering, well, who determines who are good Christians and who are not good Christians? Who determines that you have a denomination that I would support and not support? You know, when are you protected? When are you not protected? And so it may not be some of the overt, what I would call, persecution, but the scriptures also made clear that it's just a matter of time before we see that in the United States as well.
0: Yeah, so coming back to that 80% figure, um, how, is, how is that lack of liberty demonstrated? What, what are people going through? What are they suffering?
1: Well, for example, we've had a matter in Pakistan where we had an individual who found themselves in prison for life because they were espousing Christian beliefs and it was con- considered to be blasphemy. Uh, We've had an Adventist pastor years ago that was put in jail because he was accused of engaging in an activity that he didn't engage in. But the fact of the matter is, when no one really knows who you are, it makes it very difficult to be able to express, well, obviously you should know I never get engaged in those type of activities. So what we have is we have a lot of countries in which, you know, there are many persecuting rules and regulations that are put in place. Simply, sometimes they're just cultural. But sometimes they impose upon people's religious freedom in ways that the government really just does not care. Mm. And I think that's why we have to be always on guard to realize that just because things may be okay right now, you don't get to take under consideration that it will be that way for life.
0: Yeah. One thing in, in your comment there that really I caught and spoke to my heart was the importance of them knowing who we are. Yes, Much the same as... Daniel in Babylon, Yes, that guy was known for his values, what he was about, mm-hmm. and that was his life and he was known for that. His religious liberties were really under, under threat there as right. well. So that's, that's, to me, that clarifies very nicely the importance of the public affairs and the, the religious liberty.
1: Well, And to add to that, you know, sometimes we as Christians, we're nervous about who we are. And sometimes we think it's to our benefit to sometimes hide ourselves under a bushel. The fact of the matter is they'll figure out who you are anyway. So you may as well be bold with
0: it. And if, if they'll guess if they don't know. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: And then they will wonder, well, what kind of convictions do you really have if you're unwilling
0: to share? Yeah. Let's come to a local church, mm-hmm. whether it's a Seventh-day Adventist church or any denominational church. Mm-hmm. What, what can a local congregation do to promote and support religious freedom, religious liberty?
1: I think one of the things that they can do is first really find out what's going on in the community where they are. There's sometimes an assumption that because a church is located in a particular neighborhood, that they automatically know what's going on in the neighborhood. And I think one of the things that they can do is, one, find out what's going on in your community. Find out who are the local leaders there. Find out who are the other pastors there. Find out who the other denominations are that may be in your community. And take an opportunity just to come visit people. I think that's where it begins, you know? Understanding what's really happening in your concentric circle. And once you realize that, then I think you can start to expand from a ministry standpoint. Because at the end of the day, ministry and religious liberty is really about relationship. But if you haven't established a relationship anywhere in your community, it's really difficult to be a witness.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now, Olin, there's a a key question. There are situations where not all religion is good. Mm -hmm. What do we do about that?
1: Well, I think what we have to do is we have to be cautious how we may go out and engage in what I would call um, chastising other religions. I think it's important for us to be able to let everyone know what we stand for. But I think we also have to be careful not to go out and to, I would say, use our own religious beliefs to be a weapon to bludgeon other individuals what we really want is we don't want the government engaging in any type of shaping of any religion now obviously the establishment clause and religious freedom and things of that nature you actually have limits you can't just do whatever you want if you have a religion that's sacrificing people then the government is going to step in on those type of activities but we also need to be careful that if we start pushing the government and others to really impact other religions then we're opening the door for them to one day come and impact ours as well. Yeah. So trying to find that proper balance of you know being a great witness and demonstrating your difference but not using your differences to be used as a weapon to really harm, harm other individuals where we need to go.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now what about this this situation where w- there's a, a religious belief, mm-hmm. a, a religious group, they're being intimidated, mm-hmm. they're, suffering some form of persecution mm-hmm. and we may not necessarily ascribe we may even differ absolutely to their, you know their beliefs and so forth can we with clear conscience support them in that religious freedom even though it might be in opposition to what we actually believe
1: I think a clear conscience that we as Christians have a responsibility to support all who are trying to serve God the way they see fit we have to understand that people are still being witnessed to to God and, to, and from Christ in many different ways. And sometimes where we encounter them is still in their process. And therefore, it's easy to look to see that somebody has not arrived where we are yet. But to be great fishermen, you sometimes have to understand when you pull the fish in, it's not going to be cleaned and scaled. And we have to bring them in the way they are and then allow the Holy Spirit to impact them moving forward.
0: Okay. Now, we've got to go to another break. Mm-hmm. But I'd like to come back and talk with you more about public policy Sure. And how that applies in religious liberty. Absolutely. Stay with us. We'll be right back with more Ministry in Motion. Welcome back to Ministry in Motion. Our topic today is religious liberty for all and our guest, Orlan Johnson. Now Orlan, what, what place should Christians And I guess if I can even be specific here, Seventh-day Adventist Christians, what place should they have in steering the direction of a society, and perhaps even governmental policy and so forth?
1: I think it's a critical role for us to play. As a matter of fact, I'm a firm believer that the community and society needs us, maybe even sometimes more than we need it. I think the ability to come in and to tell individuals about who you are, you know, your health message, your, your message on temperance, and these are the types of things that if you look at communities right now, that's what they're in search of. Everyone's trying to find out how do we live a better lifestyle and things of that nature. And so I'm a firm believer that when we don't go out and be a part of a community, we're actually doing a disservice to the community, a disservice to our church, and a disservice to ourselves.
0: Yeah. do you see anything on the horizon? something coming along that you think is an issue that we should be concerned about, praying about, even perhaps talking amongst ourselves and approaching government officials about?
1: Well, I think there are going to always be issues that we should be nervous about. And I think that's part and parcel of um, of the changing in religious communities and cultural changes. And so I don't know if there's actually one thing I would look at and say that we need to keep an eye on on the horizon. But I do think that we can find ourselves distracted with a lot of things that come on the horizon. You know, you have a lot of people who are concerned about you know, the LGBTQ community and other issues that may come up. And, you know, some people have problems with certain political leaders, and they wonder, are we now entering into some sphere of life that we've never seen before? And the one thing I want all of us to understand is our God has seen everything possible. You know, even if you don't like your current political leader or your past political leader, he's dealt with pharaohs, he's dealt with Nebuchadnezzars, he's dealt with Sennacheribs in the past. So the fact of the matter is, is God is still on the throne. And no matter what we see happening, we're supposed to tarry till we get there, but there's nothing to
0: worry about. He has it under control. Right, okay. So, for a local pastor, Mm -hmm. how, and if you could speak to a local pastor. Sure. What, what, what would you be suggesting to a local pastor in terms of the messages that they deliver and what they do during the week mm-hmm. to, to really protect not only their church member, but to, to be looking out for their community as well?
1: I think one of the things that a local pastor can really do is really kind of start what I would call the basics of finding out, you know, what are the local ordinances that impact me? And who that lives in my community actually are responsible for creating those potential changes? And I think, you know, one of the things that's important is many of our legislative activities, whether you be at a local city council or a school board, these are all open events. No one is actually excluded from being there. And sometimes that's where you really get to meet all the people who are concerned, all the people who you can be impactful to with, and all the people who may have needs from you. And I think if I would start there i think
0: that would start the whole process give us an example of, of somebody that's done that and how it's made a difference
1: well i can tell you personally um, I, I learned early on from one of my mentors where he told me that you know when you start off in trying to do things and you don't have a lot of money you don't have a lot of resources you don't have a lot of contacts or time or time <laughs> the best thing you can do is find the cheapest path in and try to be impactful there and one of the things that I found to be the cheapest path in is everyone that you encounter try to connect with them in such a way because you never know where they may go in the future and I can tell you that I've seen it when I was in law school one of my law school chums became um, a legislator became a county executive became a lieutenant governor and these were people that I knew when they were for lack of a better term nobody and I think it's so important the concept of making friends before you need friends is establish every relationship you can. I mean, I taught law school for a while, and the mayor of DC, Adrian Fenty, was a former student, and the mayor of Atlanta, Kasim Reed, was one of my former students. And, and because of those relationships, I kept in contact with them and found myself doing other things. I ended up working for the president of the United States Barack Obama when I met him as a state senator, where no one hardly even knew who he was. And then when he became president, he appointed me to be the chairman of the Securities Investor Protection Corporation. So I think I've seen it in my own life where you don't know where it's going to end up down the road, but you shouldn't get into that relationship hoping for that anyway.
0: Well, how did, how did those doors open for you? Though? Mm-hmm. How did you, you know, walk through that journey? give us some details what 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 happened
1: perfect example so uh, I hear about this senator Barack Obama who's running for president uh, no one thinks he's gonna win believe it or not there's a whole bunch of open seats at the table you want to sit down and be a part of something that people think is not going anywhere there's plenty of room and I got involved not thinking that he w- would necessarily win but I thought the process of just learning about a presidential campaign up close and personal was great. You know, when I was a college student at Andrews, I marched down to meet our local congressman and I, yeah, I knew he had just started. And I came in and said, listen, I go to Andrews University and I'd like to be an intern here. I'd like to learn about politics. And, you know, he was a Republican congressman from the 4th District of Michigan. And next so thing I knew, I worked, knew, for, worked for him. I, I've been on both sides. And to be honest, I think you should. Mm-hmm. The relationship is if you only deal with one side, then I think you miss half the game. So the ability to be comfortable on both sides of what you are doing, especially if you're not a politician. I mean, I'm not a politician and never plan to be one, but I've always known that you always want to be in good relationships with the people who have access to changing the laws that impact you. Exactly.
0: So how, how do you involve yourself with political figures mm-hmm. but not get caught up with the, the issues of politics and and, and lose the 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 gospel orientation.
1: I think one of the things you have to do is you have to be true to who you are. Mm -hmm. Uh, When I was working on the Obama campaign one of the funniest things that happened to me was I went out to dinner with the um, finance committee and somebody looked at me and they said "Orland, the things you eat are on page three and when he said that to me it kind of stunned me but I realized they had been watching what I eat and drink And they had drawn certain conclusions about me that I didn't even know. And so I think what ends up happening is people kind of find out where you fit in. I mean, I've been appointed by the governor to be chairman of the Board of Regents for the University System of Maryland, where there was 14 public universities that I became chair of, and I never went to school in Maryland ever. I might be the only chairman who never went to school in Maryland. But sometimes the Lord puts you in positions where you get a chance to be, you know, just impactful to some degree, and you don't even know why you're there. Mm. But if you make yourself available and people know that you want to make a difference, sometimes they'll bring you in.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, Wow, you've had an interesting journey, mate.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: Yeah. So, but navigating the importance of the public affairs, Mm -hmm. getting to know people, Mm -hmm. them knowing you and Mm -hmm. who you are, Mm -hmm. what you represent, Mm -hmm. and then ministering in that environment. Yes. And then dodging the... The the politics. Yes. But serving for the cause of Christ. Yes. For freedom for all. Absolutely. you got a nice job. I love the job. Hope I can do it for a long time. Okay. Orland, thanks so much for coming on Ministry in Motion. My pleasure. Thanks so much for joining us on Ministry in Motion where we explore today religious freedom for all with Orlan Johnson. We can take five important points away from today's program. The first one, Jesus set the example in caring for the well-being of others in his community. The second point, followers of Jesus are called to serve, bless, and protect the rights of those in their communities. Our third point, principles of freedom are critical to the well-being of society. We should protect liberty of conscience, even for those we disagree with. Our fourth point is, Pastors should be willing to engage with community leaders in a Christ-like way in order to bless and help others. And our final point, understand the political landscape, but keep your identity rooted in Christ. Once again, we're so pleased that you've joined us on Ministry in Motion here on Hope Channel. Of course, you can also see on our website, ministryinmotion.tv, all the programs we've ever made They're waiting for you. They're available 24-7, free on demand. Pastors are using them to train their elders, deacons, deaconesses, all their members who are active in ministry. And we don't want you to miss out on those valuable resources. You can also contact us and send us feedback from our website as well. And we'd love to hear from you. But until next time, thank you for joining us. And may God bless you richly. Bye for now.